0: Hi, and welcome to another episode of Farm Focus. We are taking a look at conservation and the work that farmers do to protect the environment as part of a two-part series. In this episode, I'll be talking with Juniata County farmer, David Graybill, about
1: conservation
0: and some of the boards that he's been involved with.
1: Hi, I'm I'm Dave Graybill. I uh, farm a dairy farm in Juniata County, Pennsylvania. And uh, we milk uh, 58 uh, cows in a tie stall. Been doing that for 20 years, and I've uh, been able to make many improvements on that farm. It was daily haul manure whenever we started, and we now have a one-year storage manure pit.
0: So, you know, part of your involvement in the agriculture industry has been on you know, various boards that are focused on the environment and conservation. So, can you tell me a little bit about some of the things you've been involved
1: with? Okay, uh, as a... Um, farmer that wanted to get involved I became involved with with Pennsylvania Farm Bureau and Juniata County Farm Bureau to be specific and along the way I became a state board member and that allowed me to be the chair of our Natural and Environmental Resources Committee which opened uh, up my eyes to a lot of things about uh, environmental issues across the entire state of Pennsylvania and uh, talking to different farmers, I, I, I have discovered that we all are doing an excellent job. It's just that uh, sometimes things happen. Those, whenever bad things happen, we, we look at those things and we don't look at all the great successes guys have. Getting nutrients on the land at the right time and uh, the crop taking that, that uh, nutrient up. Or the great housing and, and environmental things that we are doing in terms of keeping the, uh, the, the manure nutrients out of the streams and uh, keeping clean water clean, keeping all those springs and uh, all that rainwater runoff uh, water clean that we can keep clean coming off of spoutings. We really do a good job in some of those areas. The spring one just makes a total amount of sense because a lot of guys use spring water for their drinking water. So they know how important it is to keep water clean. A few years ago, I had the opportunity to be on the um, Watershed Implementation uh, Ag Work Group that was looking at our, our, how we would meet the Chesapeake Bay TMDL. And uh, that gave me a a really good look into what what it will take for Pennsylvania to reach the TMDL and the nutrient standards that are put forth in the Chesapeake Bay model. I believe that uh, we as a farming community are doing an excellent job. There's uh, a lot of uh, stream information out there that says we're doing a great job. And uh, there's a lot of weather that, that affects the model that the model cannot cannot uh, weed out necessarily. So, so we have... Uh, we have been able to put forth a good watershed implementation plan for Pennsylvania and Pennsylvania has uh, been able to put money towards getting that model there with that work group working on the watershed implementation plan and listen to DEP talk about what they wanted to have happen listen to the the conservation commission talk about what they thought could happen and I think one of the things that the farmers and I was one of those on that on that group, we were able to give them real-world uh, reality check at uh, what not to do, and if they did it, how it would hurt the farm economy. and And we have a watershed implementation plan that I believe does not uh, endanger our farm economy at this point in time. and And I'm very happy about that, have been able to be at the table and make sure that that happened, because we could have uh, wound up with a permit to farm.
0: So you know that that's one of the things I think people for for forget about is that sometimes environmental regulations, while maybe good intentioned, are impractical or or are incredibly cost prohibitive. Can you maybe give an example of something that was talked about that would have been uh, very cost prohibitive or difficult for for folks to farm?
1: Yeah, because nitrogen is the big thing, and the Chesapeake Bay model. Ask for nitrogen per uh, county. And we're talking about the amount of nitrogen that's bought or put on the land through manure per county. And uh, the way to uh, find that out would be to have everybody have a permit to farm. And at the end of the year, you would have to say, you would have to tell the government how much fertilizer you purchased, or how much manure you purchased, or how much manure your animals produced. And you would have to give an accounting for it and the 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 backside of that the problem with that is then that they would limit the amount that you could actually buy so the the you would not be able to increase your yield whenever you knew the weather and the environment was correct for that crop for the soils that you had because it would be a large brush type thing with that type of of, uh, scenario with that type of a law and Maryland has that type of a law and We as a work group decided not to go that route And I believe that's correct because when you look at all of Pennsylvania There are so many soil types that are so different We have four different climates that we look at in Pennsylvania Uh, the agronomy guide points them out and and each one of them has Specific agronomic practices that you want to follow in them to get a good crop that's the economics of farming and to be able to do that and uh, to have have that flexibility I think is what we needed to have as a state
0: so let's maybe talk about you know that that right application of, of nutrients because they're put on the land for a reason and if done correctly Um, can be taken up by the crop and is not running off. Can you tell me a little bit about how that's achieved?
1: Yeah, and and I'll I'll use my manure storage as the example. Because I had a daily haul situation. The farm didn't have enough money to build that manure storage, and through the Chesapeake Bay, uh, uh, through through the monies that became available through NRCS and Chesapeake Bay, we were able to build that manure storage prior to that we knew that whenever we spread a load of manure every day that load of manure was not being put on the crop exactly when the crop needed it for example if it's a corn crop we want to put that manure on just a couple of weeks before we plant the corn in the spring and by able to, by being able to do that with the manure storage we can capture a lot more of the nitrogen from that manure rather than spread it on the same field every day out of the year and then expect the corn crop to uh to have it there for it some of it's there but but we're talking about 80 90 percent of it going missing till the corn crop can actually take it up with the daily haul scenario and the manure storage scenario gives that uh that extra capture of nutrients and those nutrients had to go somewhere if we didn't capture them and obviously the bay is where they went so that that in and of itself gives us better utilization of the nutrients it's an economic advantage for me as a farmer and it's a it's a great uh, environmental advantage for the bay tell
0: me a little bit about what it what it was like kind of having that seat at the table and do you feel like your your voice was was heard
1: yeah i i think we were because uh, some of the things that the farmers were able to actually explain whenever whenever we talked about things like uh, how much cover is on the ground or how much uh uh for lack of a better word when when you have corn fodder on the ground that that amount of 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 uh, matter that's laying on the ground all the time, we were able to explain that in better detail to the DEP folks in the room. You, you have to remember that if you're working for the Department of Environmental Protection, you're good at paperwork that's that's what you're good at and and you have to accept that fact as a uh, that fact as a farmer that you're talking to somebody that is good at paperwork they're not good at understanding what actually happens on the land and that's not a slam at them that's just that they're not out there driving a tractor every season they're not they're not uh, making those decisions economic decisions we have to make to make sure that that crop pays pays us uh, back in dividends by planting at the right time putting the nutrients on at exactly the right time and getting the maximum yield so uh, yeah we, we were we were heard and in some ways I think it was eye-opening for those folks to understand a little bit better what it takes for good agronomic practices it's one thing to read a book I've read the book but the book doesn't tell you everything there is the, uh, the other thing just the fact that the folks around the table, some of them had been on our farm uh, a year or so before that. And for example, they got to watch us actually agitate that manure pit and pump manure out of it and spread it on a field. And that was the first time some of them had ever seen that happen. So, so yes, they have the paperwork side all down pat, but they don't know actually how it works. That makes a lot more sense whenever you see it, and you see how big the equipment is, and oh, you know what? Compaction is a major issue here. Those those types of things start can start making sense to somebody that their only job is paperwork, and you as a farmer are saying, uh, you made a decision that I have to put this stuff on in in a certain tight window, doesn't work because maybe the soil conditions aren't right for that window, i.e. some of the some of the manure spreading um, parameters that are that are given, and I'll just make the example that uh, Maryland has is looking at actually um, expanding some of their manure spreading. Um, uh, how was it their 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 cover crop and their manure spread? They discovered where the uh, parameters were too tight. They needed to lengthen those amounts by a month or something like that
0: um you had mentioned uh manure storage but tell me some of the other conservation uh, practices that you have on your farm
1: okay back in uh, the early 2000s we started to no-till everything and no-till has become a great environmental practice for us because of the way it has improved my soil health and maybe the improvement of soil health is not just no-till maybe it's uh, some of the other things we're doing whenever you start doing good no-till that means that I'm not moving that ground any more than I have to to uh, then then just to plant the crop The the uh, corn planter goes through and opens the slit and drops in the seed whenever I'm spreading the manure I'm very conscious that I don't want to compact that soil so we wait for the right uh, moisture level of soil, and uh, we 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 look at at uh, we look at runoff a little differently. In other words, I, I have to make sure that 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 uh, little rivulet that started making a gully doesn't continue, and I need to divert water, do a better job of diverting the water and getting it to spread across the field rather than and make ruts that I have to uh, drive across. So all those things really helped us out in terms of um, no-till becoming a great environmental practice for us. The other thing that we do that I think is a uh, great conservation practice is uh, strip cropping. Our strips are laid out uh, down across the slope so we're breaking up that water and not allowing it to run. Most strips are Hundred feet, or maybe a little bit less, in 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 our slope, so we're able to uh, spread that water out a little bit better and uh, make sure that we don't have those big uh, gullies washing everything out. And this farm had a history of gullies. Whenever my uncle started to farm it back in 1960, there were gullies deep enough then where you could uh, lose a team of horses into them. So yes they there were there was and you can go back and look at the maps pictures that were taken in 1937 and you can actually see that but there was a tremendous amount of wash out at that point in time and we were farming at that point in time we were farming the fields in big blocks we were we were running running rows downhill rather than across the hill so those things that we seem to take for granted now uh, are, are certainly some great environmental practices that, that we just always think were there, but they weren't. So, I mean, I don't mean to paint with a
0: broad brush, but I'm sure that there are some, uh, you know, folks in the environmental community that believe that conservation and protection of the environment is the last thing on a farmer's mind. So tell me when you're thinking about the way that you farm, help me understand the mindset of a of a of a farmer you know who does care about conservation
1: you, you know i think that that as a farmer i'm not going to talk about it in conservation terms that's where my language and the language of the conservationist uh, differs a little bit but the outcome is still the same because we don't want that that gully to wash out that that breaks tractor axles when you drive across it so we don't want that Uh, it's just not fun driving across a rough field we want a smooth field that means we keep the soil in place we want uh, the nutrients captured that we spent all of our hard-earned money on once you buy that uh, that pound of nitrogen you would really like that pound of nitrogen to get to the corn not it's not you didn't buy it to go somewhere else and uh, you're not out there spending extra money on uh, insecticides or pesticides herbicides whatever it is you're not spending that extra money if you don't need to because that's that's going to increase the cost of doing business there's very tight margins in farming for example this year we're looking at drought and you don't have to look very far to see uh, there's drought around in Pennsylvania maybe not exactly where you're standing in uh, Lancaster County parts of Lancaster County have great amounts of water other parts do not in Juniata County the same is true and uh, there's some severe drought here in Pennsylvania that's gonna that's gonna really impact the economic um, the economics of farming in Pennsylvania for this growing season there's going to be a lot of guys that are going to be hard pressed to uh, have have a balance sheet that's in the black because of a uh, poor crop year. No fault of their own. It it comes down to the water did not fall out of the sky. We have had above ninety degree temperatures. That hurts the crop. That uh, that takes up water and uh, uses up the the, the short resource.
0: Right. Right. Um,
1: tell me a little
0: bit about the, the work that you have uh, just begun with the, envir- with the Federal Environmental Protection Agency and some of the advisory role that you're playing.
1: I was recently appointed to the a federal EPA uh, committee called the Farm, Farm and Ranch and Rural Communities Committee. That committee had its first uh, meeting here on July 20th. And that was just an internal meeting. We were learning the things about what the committee can can do and cannot do. Uh, We were learning, uh, we were meeting each other. We had to do it online. And in the very near future, we will have the opportunity to uh, meet together and uh, talk about what we're going to do as a committee. We still have not gotten from uh, Secretary Wheeler, I believe it will come from, we will be asked to look at different areas within EPA and I don't know what those areas are going to be so I'm looking forward to that because uh, one of the things that I think I need to do is just bring the real world experience of a small farmer in central Pennsylvania to that uh, group of individuals group of individuals from all across the United States Uh, a ton of option on this committee because of because of the exposure to those types of, of things and the understanding of environmental issues and how they work. Is there anything I forgot to ask you or anything that you
0: wanna, you wanna add to our conversation here?
1: You know, one of the things that we really like about environmental stewardship is when we know that the person in our area of the world, in our backyard, is doing a good job because there's a lot of things that people will talk about well that's okay but not not close to where i live and i think one of the things that farmers really do and do well is we do that stewardship here in our own backyard and we do it well because it is in our backyard and and that's important to us it's not like it's not like well no that has to, that 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 product needs to be produced somewhere else because i don't want it, i don't want the effects of what it takes to produce it here in my backyard no we are we are making sure that that uh, day in day out we have a clean environment to live in and we have uh have created a great beautiful place for people other people to enjoy Uh, the great outdoors too. I I see that as important.
0: I agree with you 110%. Well, Dave, this has been good. Thank you very much for your time, especially taking time over the summer when I'm sure you uh, could have been out on a tractor or doing other stuff to, uh, to chat with us. Thank you. For part two of our series on farm conservation, I'll be chatting with Dean Jackson, a dairy farmer in Bradford County, who last year won the Pennsylvania Leopold Conservation Award. If you enjoyed this episode of Farm Focus, please subscribe. More episodes are on the way. And all of our past episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and on Podbean at pfbcast.podbean.com. Thanks for listening.